Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Rachel Lipman. The United States has advanced to the quarterfinals of the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup after a 2-1 victory earlier this week against Spain. They'll play the host nation of France on Friday. The game is set to be the most expensive to attend Women's World Cup game ever. Here to discuss the World Cup and the state of women's soccer in St. Louis and elsewhere is Lori Kalupni Lawson. She is a former U.S. women's national team member who competed in the 2007 and 2015 Women's World Cup. She is a St. Louis native, the head coach of the Maryville University women's soccer team, and is also the assistant club director of the newly formed all-girls soccer club Fire and Ice Soccer Academy. That is quite a resume. Also joining us in studio is Olivia Silverman. She is the assistant coach of the St. Louis Lions women's team. She was a goalkeeper at St. Louis University and also played on three U.S. national youth teams. Lori and Olivia, thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. So, Lori, you played in two Women's World Cups in 2007 and 2015. What is that stage like? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, that's, you know, when you you grew up as a a young kid and and playing soccer for your club teams here in St. Louis, but the World Cup is the biggest stage. You know, that is that is what you aim for. That's what you dream about. Um, So it it was, um, you know, to say a dream come true seems cliche, but that is that's truly what it's like. One of the former U.S. Women's National players posted a video of the American outlaws in France greeting the team as as they enter the stadium. And what, what is that pageantry? Tell me a little bit more about the pageantry that is the World Cup stage. Yeah, uh, my the World Cup that I was in in 2015 was in Canada, and so it, it felt like a home match. Every every game felt like a home game, and, and we had a, a huge American uh, uh, contingency that came with us day in and day out. But uh, even over in France, I'm hearing that that the the U.S. games are a hard ticket to come by because so many Americans have traveled over to follow the team, um, and it's uh, you know just the. The excitement around the games. There's there's drums. There's chants. There's you know hand claps. There's uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. A lot of noise and a lot of excitement. And they're coordinated too. It's 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 not it, they're they're all doing it at the same time. Oh yeah, it's, they yeah. practice this. I mean, yeah. it's 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 awesome. How did it change between 2007 and 2015? Oh uh, well, it changed a lot. Um, just uh, I think the boom of social media I think had a huge impact on it. Uh, in 2007, you know. It, it, we we played largely unnoticed. We were played in, in China, um, so you know a little further away, little bit, and also a little bit different in terms of access to the country, it, access to exactly. information. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but by the time 2015 rolled around, it was uh, it, you know there were, were commercials leading up to the games. There was you know all kinds of uh, just behind the scenes media things that we did as a team, and it was it was quite a bit different. Do you wish you were out there right now when the World Cup rolls around? Do you wish you're out there on the field? Uh, Truthfully, I am so happy to be watching from my couch. <laughs> I don't have to run anymore. You know, I can uh, just drink my coffee and watch soccer and enjoy it. And uh, but I'm I'm really enjoying watching this team, and they they're just on fire right now. I want to get your perspective, both as soccer coaches and soccer players, about this 2019 U.S. Women's National Team. Um, Tell me a little bit about them. What are their strengths? What are their styles? Where would you rank them in terms of national teams? Olivia, I'll start with you. I mean, I think they've looked very strong. I know they have a lot of young presence now, which I think has brought up that energy level a bit, but also having that um, that legacy in with some of the older players bringing in that experience. They've really found a good combination of both, I feel like. Uh, I think the midfield this year especially has been strong, being able to move the ball in and out, and they've been great. I mean, the Rose Lavelles, the uh, Sam Mewis's, Lindsey Horan's being able to just 
keep the ball for us and make things happen has been, I think, very special um, and a big new strong point for us. Um, I think they keep building off of every game, and whether they have a lull, they end up becoming even better and better off of every single uh, minute that they play. And it's been something really cool to watch, just the growth and um, seeing these young players have a chance and being able to coach players who hopefully can have that chance eventually. So, And, Lori, what about for you as you're watching this? What's your soccer coach eye looking at and grabbing onto? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think uh, I think our front line is unstoppable uh, with Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, and Megan Rapino. I don't think anybody in the world can stop them uh, when they're when they're clicking the way that they are. Uh, truthfully, I think our back line is our weakness, and uh, that's what's going to I think uh, be the difference maker in whether we win the World Cup or not. Is is um, if our back line can hold off uh, the, the opposition. Looking ahead to Friday's game against France, what would you say both teams need to do to win? What are the three keys for you guys going into this game? I mean, a big key for me is energy. I mean, France, it's their hometown. They have their entire country behind them. And for us to be able to bring that energy and competitiveness while also keeping that steady head and being able to focus on what's in front of us, and that's a semifinal game in the World Cup. Every game at this point is, every minute of every game is huge. So, um, being able to stay focused, play their game, relax, but still bring that bite and energy because um, we know France is going to bring it. It's their, home, like I said, their hometown. They want it, and we have to show that we want it just as much. What are your more. three keys, Lori? Uh, yeah, I think just kind of uh, um, monitoring the emotions going into the game, of course. Uh, uh, I think set pieces are going to be huge, so corner kicks, free kicks, uh, things like that. That's over over half of the goals I think of the World Cup so far have been scored on set pieces so uh, we've got to win that battle uh, and finally shutting down uh, their their front line they've got three attackers that are are pretty tough as well so our, our back line is going to have to really be keyed in on them if you have something that you've always been curious about with women's soccer the women's World Cup or the U.S. women's national teams we're inviting you to ask Lori Kolopny and uh, Olivia Silverman these questions you can give us a call at 314-382-8255 that's three to talk, or you can send us a tweet to at STL on air, or shoot us an email at talk at stlpublicradio.org. There was a lot made after the United States just absolutely clobbered Thailand. I think it was final was 13 to nothing there, about both the score and about the celebrations after those goals. What were your reactions to sort of both of those reactions? Uh, you know, for, for me personally, I it's a World Cup, and the girls were excited to score, and I can't blame them. I mean, like like we were talking about before, this is this is the biggest age. This is everything you've ever dreamed about. So I think it's hard to tell tell the team, yeah, you can be excited, but don't be too excited. You know, um, you know, I think I think that's a tough uh, it's a tough line. Um, so I don't have problems with their celebrations. Were they maybe a little bit excessive? Sure, but in hindsight, you can go back and judge people for anything. So I don't have any problem with it. I think. Um, uh, you know, that's this is this is the World Cup. There's no there's no hurt time for you know to worry about people's feelings. <laughs> and then, Louis, how about for you? I totally agree. Uh, I mean, like Lori said, like you're in the World Cup. You dream of this as a kid, and just seeing that your dreams finally coming true and scoring that first goal and that third goal and just being able to celebrate that with the players that you've grown so much with and have seen your growth and. Um, I mean, that's just something that's indescribable. Yeah, like Lori said, like you're going to hear the chatter about it, but 
at the end of the day, you're at the top top tier of women's soccer and you score a goal, that's pretty unbelievable. We're celebrating. And, and how about the score? 13 to nothing is a, is a American football score to mm-hmm. a lot of people. Were they just pouring it on or did it actually matter to put up that many goals that early in the, in the World Cup? Well, I, well, I think you can have a little bit of gripe about the celebrations. I don't think you can have a gripe at all about the number of goals scored because uh, in this type of tournament, the goal differential is huge. Uh, and we knew Sweden, who was also in our group, was gonna. Uh, we were going to be fighting for one and two uh, position in in our our group. So we have to score more goals than Sweden was going to score against them. We didn't know at that point how many goals Sweden would score. So uh, so we have to. You've got to take take advantage of every opportunity. How much of this was just another example of women athletes getting treated differently in basically just about everything? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you see it every day, and I think this is uh, no different for sure. Um, I mean, seeing our women grow like this and just being able to put up those numbers just, I think, shows the strength of women's athletics and say, hey, I'm here and I'm here to stay, rather than, you know, if a a men's team does that, would it be different? I mean, you don't don't know, and uh, we have no room to really say, like, oh, like, this would be here, and it, it hasn't happened, but... I think it's pretty special that the women's team was able to do this and was able to showcase what they're capable of and show those numbers. And whether it was a men's team or not, I think it, it's special regardless. And I think so often, you know, we tell female athletes, you know, be be emotional, but not too emotional. Be, you know, play great soccer, but, oh, don't celebrate too much. And be strong, but not too strong. And I think, um, you know, this just kind of shows again that, uh, just let let the women be who they are, and, and let's not um, put them down or, to, you know, uh, give them give them trouble over them showing their own emotions. So the women's national team is a dominant force in world soccer. Um, I think it, the team has been in the top four of every women's World Cup since it was first played in 1991, and you've won three of the seven. Given all of that, given the performance so far this year. Is the team getting the respect it deserves, especially given the men's national team and what is arguably some pretty woeful performances from that side of the equation? Mm-hmm. That That's a good question. I think, uh, you know, op- opens up a lot of discussion because, uh, you know, I think um, – uh, the the U.S. national team is dominant, is absolutely dominant. They're the best team in the country, and the 23 players who are on that team are the best 23 players uh, in the entire world, in my opinion. And and I think you know the 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 team has has brought a lawsuit against U.S. soccer for uh, equal pay. Um, and I think you know you also see it just in our society and in the way that we celebrate the women's athletes that, you know, if this was the men's World Cup and the, our U.S. men's national team was a dominant force the way our women's team is, uh, the, the landscape of soccer would look a little bit different in the United States, I believe. If you'd like to talk soccer with Lori Kalupni Lawson and Olivia Silverman, you could give us a call at 314-382-8255. You can tweet us at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. I, I guess I want to do a little bit of a thought experiment here with, with you two ladies. If the attention, the focus, the energy that is de- dedicated to the men's national team and to men's athletics got turned around and, and was put towards the women's national team and women's athletics. What do you think that would look like? <laughs> I mean, even just thinking about that is is just a complete turnaround. Um, 
I think it would be deserved. I mean, I think it would be, um, there'd be more energy. I mean, more, uh, not attendance at games would be huge and <clears throat> crucial. And I think, I mean, I'm just like getting the chills thinking about it, but like, I think if the women got the attention they deserved, this, like Lori said, like this entire nation, their view on soccer would be completely different. And, um, it's that's a hard thing to think about. I mean, and and you think you think about the success that the women's national team has had. Um, it, you know, it, it, you think about what if we had the funding and we had the support that the men's national team has gotten. Uh, oh my gosh, where would we be? I mean, it's just uh, you know, uh, it's it's hard to even imagine. And Lori, you have played for these women, the women's national teams, and I know Olivia, you were on the youth teams. What are the differences in terms of support? And from your perspective, you know, how much better could those teams have been with the support that the men do get? Like, help us understand a little bit um, what the men get that maybe you guys don't in terms of support. Um, it, you know, it's it's hard to kind of quantify. I think. Um, uh, I, I think honestly, what makes this the the uh, the lawsuit and this um, equality equation kind of difficult is that we are constantly trying to compare what the men get versus what the women get when um, the 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 starting points were so vastly different from men's sports and women's sports, and so I think it's really just about uh, giving the women what they de- deserve and what they uh, just respecting the women's sport at this present time and, and not necessarily comparing apples to oranges. You both work with um, young women, young ladies in coaching soccer. I'm wondering how aware they are of the inequalities that we're talking about here, both in terms of resources, pay, etc. Does it come up? Do they talk about it at all kind of amongst themselves? I mean, I think it varies for, uh, based off of age. I think definitely the the college players, the older high school players are starting to become more and more aware of it and just the reality of it um having i mean i had the chance to help coach one of a player who's a professional player now and she got kind of dropped into the mix and it's becoming reality and then the rest of the teams you break it down and they start seeing it more and more um but i I think it motivates a lot of people i think it motivates the next generation to be like hey I'm going to be that next Roosevelt and I want to help make that difference or I want to be the next this, that, and the other. Like, I think it's, I think it is definitely being seen, um, but maybe not always to the extent that it should be seen as. And and as coaches, are you talking about, how do you talk about those inequalities? Um, quite honestly, I don't know that uh, that it, that we talk about it a whole lot. I think it's it's in the public eye now, especially with with this lawsuit uh, f- that the women's team is bringing. And I think that's uh, you know a big part of why they're doing it is to raise awareness and kind of make it okay for for young girls to 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 fight for uh, equality. Uh, but but I don't know that it's something that we talk about a whole lot. I think it's it's something that kind of is an internal struggle and things that we just. Um, that, that we kind of deal with. And how do you think that the fact that the, the ratings are up so high now, according to the, the uh, Wall Street Journal, I think it's going to be like the highest watched in, in, in ever. Um, do you think that'll help? Do you think that kind of helps make the case of, hey, you know, look, we're doing more even than the men's national team? Yeah, I mean, everything helps at this point. I mean, you go to even talk to men's 
players, like they're watching, their teams are getting together and watching, uh, different families are watching everyone. I mean, everyone is watching now. And I think that's huge just to show what this game can do and what, how this nation or how the sport can bring a nation together. And whether it's the women's side or the men's side, it just brings people together. And the fact that the women are finally being watched and, uh, having their chance to finally be seen is huge. And what are you both hearing from the male soccer players that you know within the St. Louis community about this wage equality and and other sort of women's athletics equality conversation? Uh, Well, I think it's important that it's not a us versus them conversation, that uh, we're in this together. And it's really, it's, it's, um, you know, like I said, it's just, it's respect. It's, um, uh, and, um, you know, that, that we're fighting for, for women. Um, and uh, I think everybody is willing to get in on that battle, you know, to fight for your mothers and your sisters and, and your friends. Uh, I, so I think that, um, I think that the, the men in, the, in this community and uh, across the nation are on board. And Olivia, how about for you? In the conver- if you have conversations or hear from, you know, players within the men's game, what are they saying to you about this equality conversation? I mean, they have been nothing but, I mean, like Lori said, nothing but bringing everyone together. And I think, I mean, the more people we can get on the same board, I mean, the more the merrier. I mean, everyone, uh, like Lori said, there's no divide. We're not trying to divide people. We're trying to bring people together into the sport that we've grown up loving and that everyone else is, I mean, in the soccer community has grown up loving. And it's not men's versus women's. It's it's bringing everyone together just to see – the, the ability of the sport and what the sport can do for people and um, bringing it, bringing equal opportunity to both. Courtney in St. Louis has a comment about the soccer community. Courtney, go ahead. You're on the air with Lori Klupney and Olivia Silverman. Hi. Yeah, um, I'm a big women's soccer fan, and I was a huge fan of um, the Athletica back when, I guess that was about 10 years ago, uh, when St. Louis had a professional team. And uh, it was really disappointing when we lost them. And eventually, that league did did go under. But um, I was wondering um, what Lori thought about the support for women's soccer here in St. Louis. We always hear what a soccer town this is, but I'm not a St. Louis native, and at times it's been hard for people to sell me on what a soccer town this is. Courtney and Olivia sell sell St. Louis as a soccer town, or excuse me, Lori and Olivia sell <laughs> St. Louis as a soccer town to Courtney. Well, uh, first of all, I miss those days of Athletica so much. Uh, what what a great time! Um, and and I mean, thinking back to the to the fans and the support that we had during those days uh, was was incredible. We had uh, you know selling out soccer park uh, every weekend, and it was just awesome. And now we've got St. Louis FC, um, and they're doing really well. Uh, I believe they just beat two MLS teams. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, doing well on uh, on the field, um, but also I think um, selling really well um, getting some sellouts themselves and, and so you know not having a top tier professional team in the city I think is is a tough sell sometimes and and that's why we're really crossing our fingers that this MLS bid comes through because I'm sure that this the city will come together and really support an MLS team in this in this town. Olivia what's your pitch for St. Louis as a soccer town? Yeah I, I mean I totally agree with Lori and I mean, you look at our colleges, the SLU, Maryville, Lindenwood, all of us coming together, and Wash U even is a phenomenal program. And all of those programs coming together just to build up that community and support and um, really building off of these youth programs that we have and 
putting our hope and putting our trust and our faith into it and um, really just embracing the sport as it comes and uh, looking forward to the future. I think the future with women, with not just women's soccer, but soccer in general in the city is, is huge. And um, having that faith in the back of our head that, you know, the athletic, the all of the professional teams, I mean, with that MLS, like there is light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully. So seeing that light and trusting that light and building off of that energy and faith with the sport. So. Courtney, what do you think? Have we sold you? <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, I really want to see soccer do well, you know, in St. Louis for sure. Um, I just, I do really miss having that top flight women's team here and, and getting to see, you know, people who played in the World Cup, people like Lori, that was awesome. And they were so wonderful to the fans and to the Cleats Army. And, you know, um, it would be awesome if we were able to get that back. I don't know if that's something that's been pitched as part of the MLS deal or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to see St. Uh, soccer succeed here in this town, and um, I know these guys are doing a lot to help that, and I really appreciate that. Courtney, thank you very much, and we're keeping our fingers crossed that MLS will, will pan out as well here, and we should learn that soon. Let, let's get MLS here, and then I'll be on them about a WPSL oh, yeah. team. You better right. believe it. <laughs> Lori Kolopny-Lawson and Olivia Silverman, we want to thank you both very much for joining us today. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.